Let me ask God's mercy on me. Abba, Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for each person that's here. God, help us to, oh, just love you with all our hearts and not be ashamed of the gospel, not be ashamed of the truth. Teach us your ways and your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's dig in. I got to engage you on this one. Understanding the Lord's Supper, we've covered some vocab. We've covered an intro to history. Wow, that's a mess. We talked about the Last Supper was part of the Passover. Jesus did not say, take this lamb and eat it, for this lamb is my body, which is fascinating. We talked about what happens when you take the bread and wine as an act of worship. And last Sunday we talked about, when should you abstain? When is it best that you not take the Lord's Supper? And today we're going to get into who has the right to introduce it. Look at these pollutants. This is a review from last Sunday. This is a list right out of Corinthians, and it's actually uh, a, an abbreviated list of the, the pollutants, things that can go wrong in church, right? Things that can go wrong. Uh, I don't have any facts checked yet. Does anybody have any fact checking going on on the shooting in Uvalde, Texas? Does a teacher let it, uh, unlock the door and let it open? Anybody heard about this? There may have been, there may be, and Andrew's hearing it. Can I just say the most disgusting thing? Set up. Okay? Serious stuff. And when you crack the door and you let danger in, bad stuff happens. Okay? When the church cracks the door and lets bad stuff in, bad stuff happens. It's called a pollutant. Something is in the system. Uh, those in the medical profession, what's a free radical? In, regarding your immunity system, what's a free radical? What happens? Something bad. Something that might cause cancer, not necessarily, but it's, it's, going, it's a disease-creating entity. You get a free radical in your system, and it's looking for an opportunity, a weakness in the immunity system. Once that sets in, pop, you're sick. Uh, my precious little Rebecca, uh, whenever she hits a certain level of fatigue because she's not sleeping well, she will always uh, move toward a fever and a sinus infection, always. Her system's weakened and always expresses itself in uh, a respiratory. Make sense? All right, you let a pollutant in, something's gonna happen, right? What do you do with that? And so my, my point is on this one, uh, David, you mentioned to becoming one. Boy, this is it right here. This is it right here. And in fact, look at the graphic. Um, there literally is an interrelated dynamic interrelatedness among everybody in this room right now. The foul, sour attitude that you brought in the room to the most joyful walking out the love and grace of God attitude that came in the room to the attitude of another boring, stupid sermon by Chris Perry to, oh my gosh, we're going to learn something this morning. Everything. The addictions that walked in this <clears throat> the, um, the addictions that walked in this room. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> uh, it's all here. Come on. Pride issues. You have such a damaged view of self. You're not worthy. Jesus' love was not enough. 
you're so bad, even Jesus can't fix you. It all came in the room this morning. It's here right now. You know? It's all interrelated. Thing A is having a lot to do with thing B, which is affecting thing C. And wow. If you could see a little nuclear atom thing and all the protons, electrons all spinning around, it might look something like that. You know, the two are becoming one. Or in this instance, the four is becoming one. Okay? All right, here we go. So, I need to push you. We've got to set this up. What happens? Because we're going to take the Lord's Supper pretty soon. What happens? By the way, if you believe that it becomes the flesh and blood like, like I used to, or our, our dear friends at the Catholic tradition or Orthodox tradition. Great. <laughs> Good. What's the worst thing that could happen out of that? Come on. Is that evil if you believe in transit? No. If you believe that, God bless you. I ask one thing. Please use it to help you grow up as a Christian. That's all I ask. What if, you're, what if you're of the Lutheran tradition? It's consubstantiation and, and Jesus is somehow all around it, orbing it, in it, under it, all around it. But it's not. It is, but it's not. If you, fantastic, great, awesome. I ask one thing. Let the Holy Spirit use that to help grow you up. That's all I ask. I think that's what you should ask too, right? Isn't that fair? Come on. It's not like the... Catholics are the stupidest people on earth and we're the only smart ones? No, that is absolutely not true. Catholics got some stuff on us and we can learn from them, okay? Go right down the line. Is it just spiritual? That would be your Reformed, some of your uh, conservative Presbyterians, not the liberal Presbyterians, the conservatives, uh, Bible churchish kind of folk, the Reformed folk. Um, yeah, of course it's spiritual. Is there something to remember? Yes. <laughs> is it has something to do, and this is my view, the indwelling of Christ and the, uh, the dynamic of judgment that is nonstop. That is my view. Because we already know he's there. <laughs> Come on. It's not like when we do the Lord's Supper, he flees the building, and as you eat the bread and the wine, he somehow comes back real quick. No. <laughs> he's in us right now. Okay. So, if anything, I hold to three, four, and five. Where I am, theologically. Okay. Yes? Pastor, do you think, I mean, I'm looking at this and obviously we are not cannibalizing anything. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, three, four, and five make the most sense. But do you also think it could be symbolic that we are all in? Oh, absolutely. We are sure. All in with the belief sure. Yeah, and yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's the whole point. Yeah. Yes. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. All right, let's dig in here. All right, ready? Here's your question. This is what today's about. Who is authorized to interpret and give the bread and wine out? Pastor. Pastor, okay. Now, these are the texts. Now, what I'm showing you, this is all we have. There's no extra things that we can turn to. By the way, remember if you're a Catholic or an Orthodox, in the Orthodox tradition, uh, if you do believe it comes flesh and blood and you do believe that it gives you salvation incrementally, all of a sudden we got power. Ooh, we got power. If you got that, 
then you've got to have a priest. All of a sudden, it rockets a priest up to this special status of authority. He's the only holy one to get it out to you. Okay? All right. So, look at the text. Where does it say who is in authority to interpret the words of institution? This bread is my broken body. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. I interpret it, and I'm authorized to distribute it to you. Who, who is it? There wasn't a church. And is there any command there to do that? No. Is there a command to repeat the the ritual, Joe? No. None. It says... Okay, sorry. By the way, the earliest, earliest, early expression of the Lord's Supper, do you know how often it was taken? What's that? Now, the early, early, early. Every time they got together. Nope. You're so late. Oh my goodness, Janice. Once a year. Passover. Exactly. Exactly. That's the earliest expression. And then all of a sudden this thing, the church is born. Yeah. So the do this in remembrance of me was put to that one time only. Is that, I mean, I'm just asking. What does it say? Where does it say, do this in remembrance of me? Yeah, verse 19, 21. 19, 20. Yep. And by the way, Luke is the only one that says that. Yeah, Chris. Yes. Um, uh, when a building is named after someone, it's named in honor of them if they're alive and the memory of them if they're gone. Ah. So why would he be telling them to do the remembrance of him right there? Yeah. Oh, that's really good. suggesting that it be happening, it happen again. Yeah, that's very, very good. Very good. All right. Look at this one. Who's in authority to, to interpret and distribute the elements? Everybody. Okay, Joe says everybody. Anybody else? It just looks like a person that's examined themselves would be. As long as you meet those criteria. Interesting. Okay, so there's a self-examination component. I like that. Anybody else? Frequency and who's in authority? Frequency is completely up to the body. Okay. Okay. Now again, remember, if this is all we have, now, when you turn to the book of Acts, you get, you get a historical report that there was daily meal sharing. And then in the book of Acts, in chapter 20, it says, Lord's Supper was observed every Sunday. But that's Acts 20, which is later. I'm church president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Real familiar with that. Yeah, that was, that was for everybody else to hear. You want to pop up? Yes, yes, unless you're a Baptist and it's quarterly, if you remember. I understand. 
I've been there and I've done that. So, uh, yes, Andrew. Yes. Work. By the way, Andrew, you're spot on, which means church A may do it differently than church B, and it's fine. That's how they've worked it out. And outside of some doctrinal error, it's fine. Okay, you ready? I'm going to push it. Let's work. Andrew did so well. So who are the authorized agents to interpret and distribute the bread and wine? Number one, you've got the following options. Number one. Non-ordained, non-clergy, male or female persons who claim to be spiritual may self-appoint within their own idiosyncratic, what that means, anything goes is what that means, churches and served as the authorized agents. That is the most extreme form of liberalism. They're just spiritual. They think they're spiritual people, you know, uh, and they can worship a flower or a tree or whatever, and they can say they can worship Jesus too, and they're just going to do it themselves. So it's like an anything go extreme. That's interpretation number one. Number two, only ordained male 
and female clergy within liberal Christianity. Now we're talking about, you know, like the Episcopal tradition, the Methodist tradition. Okay? They're the only ones authorized to do this thing. Um, three, only ordained male clergy or ordained male deacons within Christian main, uh, mainstream Christian evangelicalism, Southern Baptists, are authorized to do it. Okay? All right? Number four, only ordained clergy or priests who are males and meet the criteria of orthodoxy. Now we're talking about your Calvinist churches, the Reformed, you're talking Catholic, Episcopal, or Orthodox. Those are the four options, okay? I offer one more, number five, and that is during the Agape Feast, okay, which integrated in it the Lord's Supper, any Christian, male or female, young or old, may interpret and distribute the elements of the Lord's Supper under the following conditions. Number one, they're Christians and they're baptized. Number two, they're in submission to the body of Christ. Number three, they have sufficient mastery of the doctrine. They understand what it is. For example, if uh, someone uh, pops into Christ Church this morning that attended here seven years ago and has virtually no commitment to this church, at all, and says, hey, I'm going to lead the Lord's Supper. I'm going to say, hey, no, you're not. <laughs> you have no commitment to this church. You've demonstrated nothing regarding your faith in this church. Be quiet and listen, or there's the door. But you, who have profound commitment to this church, and have demonstrated an integrated faith, and we're submitting one to another, and you say, hey, Chris, I really feel like the Lord is... is asking me to, to do the Lord's Supper, I'd say, come on, let's do it. Okay. These believers, now by the way, Andrea, you're onto something. Uh, let me introduce an idea that Andrea alluded to. Um, those of us with parents, do you remember getting to that point? Galen and Tammy, you might remember this. With the idea that you could leave your kids at home and they could handle themselves and you could leave for a few hours? Just with Colton, Savannah, and Dakota, maybe? Or just Savannah and Colton? Or maybe just Dakota, if she's old enough? And you have this idea that you're going to trust that your kids are going to be home alone. Sounds like a movie. And nothing would go wrong in your home. And you could leave a few hours, maybe a weekend, and come back, and mom, well, how'd it go? Oh, mom, it was great. Dad, it was great. It was wonderful. And, and everything's fine. Does it make sense? Anybody been there, done that? Okay, let's borrow that idea. Did you know that the Apostle Paul, Andrew, when he started the Corinthian church, is there any historical record that he put pastors and deacons in power? I'm giving it away by the way I asked the question. Is there? None. There's no evidence of a church staff existing in the church of Corinth. What? Yeah, I dare you to read it critically and you prove me wrong. The stuff that talks about, you know, that we're going to have pastors and overseers and, and all these people and there's going to be deacons and uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, obey your pastors, obey your leaders, honor them, do what they say. 
bring them Pop-Tarts as an offering on Sunday, you know, things like that. Um, that's coming late. That comes late. But early on, you have, Andrew, what is called the Corinthian experience. Uh, excuse me, experiment. The Corinthian experiment. And this is the experiment. Can a group of Christians get together, do church, and get along without any bossy staff? Can Christians filled with the Spirit, who have access to the truth, who are gifted in the Spirit, can they do self-care? Can they teach the truth? Can they, can they maintain moral purity? Can they do the body of Christ without bossy staff members telling them how to do it? Yes. And yet, yes. and I love the answer, yes, I hope so. That now it's the husband and wife. Do you think we can go away for the weekend? Do you think the kids can handle it? Oh, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. So, and so guess what? The Corinthian experience, experiment failed. Because when Chloe, a woman from the area, brings a report to Paul of what's really going on at the church, Paul is, oh my goodness, I trusted my kids. I was gone on two mission trips, and this is how, oh. And so Paul writes this big letter and then Paul says, hey, look, when I come the second time, spankings. <laughs> I'm going to bring it. Some of you are going to be in timeout. And he writes 1 Corinthians and then, of course, follows up with 2 Corinthians. So what's the answer? The answer is we are all the individual members of the body of Christ. And yet we need spiritual moms and dads. <laughs> you need both. You do need pastors. You do need servants, but you also need pastors and servants who don't try to usurp the authority that God gave to everybody. It's both and and not either or. And that is position five. That is the position that I hold to. That I could say, hey, Chris, I want you to do the Lord's Supper this morning. And he gets to say no to me. Because he feels bad because he spent way too much time on Instagram and he just feels terrible about it. So he says, no, I can't do it. I've been on Instagram too much. Um, you get my point. Or like, yeah, man, I really want to do that this morning. really want to do that. Thank you. Or some of you come to me and say, hey, can I please do it this morning? Yes, yes. You're born again. You're a believer. You've been baptized. You're under the authority of this church. As Andrew is saying, this corporate thing, corporate accountability. Plus, you're under the authority of the, of the spiritual leaders that God's placed over you, with you, next to you. Absolutely. Hey, yes. Uh, there may be a little confusion here, so just, uh, but Lisa asked, please elaborate a little more on why you would deny a believer of taking communion who hasn't been to your church in a while, which I don't think that's what you said. No, 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 Lisa, so, yeah. More than welcome to take communion, but not privileged to introduce it uh, to the church. Yeah. Okay, Chris, I have a Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That experiment failed, but the premise that I thought I heard you put forth was can spirit filled believers do this without? 
obviously some of the stuff going on in that Corinthian church, they could not have been all spirit-filled believers because there was sin going <coughs> on and obviously no conviction or they didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's a difference in, in a group of people that really are seeking to walk in the spirit. They're yes. not word yes. every day. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're practicing God's presence in their daily life and a group of people getting together as Christians to go to Whatever, go to church together, but they're not really walking in the Yeah. Which leads to two questions. Number one, are they saved at all? Or number two, they are born again and they're struggling in sin. And the answer is going to be both, right? It's going to be both. Okay, think. And I realize I'm asking you guys to think big, big picture when you perhaps haven't read even all of First Corinthians. Um, who did who rose to power? Who naturally rose to power in Corinth? The wealthy, the wealthy and well, go to your giftings. Uh, tongues. And prophets. prophets. Yeah. So there's the tongue speakers and the prophets and the wealthy naturally rose to power. So it wasn't as if they had nobody in leadership. Okay. And that's where the problems kicked in. The tongue speakers thought that they were so full of the Spirit and they had so much authority that they could speak in a language that nobody understood, that they began to leverage and power broker that over the other people. And the prophets, because prophets have an attitude anyway, right? They're prophets. And so they're just like, oh, boss your pants, and all that stuff. And, and then you've got the wealthy saying, hey, look, this is my house. You're in my house on my couch. I provided the food and the wine. Don't you dare boss me around. You know, you had that going on. So there were people naturally jockeying for positions of power and influence, which is a part of the problem. So did the experiment fail? In one sense, yes. They botched it. But in the other sense, look at the good that came out of the mess. So, and isn't that Romans eight twenty eight that God causes all things? Yeah. Yeah. So Lisa, thank you for that question there, Tiffany. Yeah. Thank and you. our job is to try to make this place more like heaven. So yes. we're to try to bring that here yeah. as much as we can. Oh, but we also have to be honest with ourselves that yeah. until we get to heaven, it's not everyone's going to be that way. Yeah, thank you. That was very, very wise. In fact, when Jesus told us to pray, what did he say? Our Father in heaven, let your name be treated as though it's holy. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Get the kingdom down here. I love that. All right, anybody else? How do we live this out? Yes, sir. Boy, you notice, too, he doesn't immediately institute a structure of authority at the Corinthian church. No. So I'm not even sure that I'd say the Corinthian experiment failed. He issues correction within the model they use. Then by 2 Corinthians, they've gone too far the other way. He's got to dial them back a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's true. And his, and his harshest language is safe for, I guess, a small segment of people there who are trying to, uh, to question his authority to correct the Corinthian church. Yeah. 
Now, when I come, I'll talk big if I need to. I hope I don't have to. Kind of thing. But yeah, it seems actually, by and yeah. large they have yeah. self-corrected based on what yeah. Paul has told them to do. Yes, that's good. Um, I think a lot of the struggles we have in the, in the topic on the Lord's Supper come from our inherent need to find rules where none exist. <laughs> Say that again, please. We... We want rules. More specifically, we want rules that match what we do so that we feel justified in what we are doing. We want to feel like we're control. Quote, unquote. (laughs) Exactly. There are rules here by design, and this speaks to the spirit of the faith we have. Coming out of Judaism, you have a really nice organizational structure that you can just copy and put a cross on the front of and say, all right, here's how Christianity works now. You've got priests, law bloggers. Here's who are the clergy, so to speak, and basically that's what the Roman Catholics came along and did. But, but it wasn't there in the beginning because this thing is designed to be a very flat. Now, we, we do have teachers. We have people who are parents, so to speak, in Christ right. or whatever. But it's not very organized. Yeah. It, yes. The burden, as you've said so well, is put on the believer. It's messy. His own salvation along with everybody else in concert. Yeah. yeah. The further we get away from that a lot of times, I believe, it, you know, it creates its own problems. You can just look at what the Southern Baptist Convention is having to deal with right now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are set up to be small, self-governing, self-accountable. We love that idea. Yeah. I don't need anybody. <laughs> love that idea. Joe, that's so beautiful. Do children need parents? Yeah. Yeah, they do. True story. Uh, my mother and father... Dared to leave his children alone, Andrea. Five of us. What could go wrong? And so we're, I guess they're on a date night or something. And we're watching TV, and my sister Donna took a Tupperware cup. Tupperware probably gives you cancer, but back then, nobody cared. And so she put it on her chin and got her mouth halfway into it and sucked all the air out of the cup. And so the cup just vacuumed right on her chin. And she would watch TV for hours. All right? And then it's late, and so pulls the Tupperware cup off, and guess what? No. Cancer. We knew that she had cancer and that she was going to die because there was a huge red thing on her chin. What else could it be? We were self-governing. Trust us, people. So, of course, can you reach mom and dad? TV was black and white, people. There was no such thing as a cell phone, right? So we call the neighbor. And, oh, please come down. Donna's got face cancer. It's awful. You know, and so Miss White comes down and starts giggling. And, you know, no, she's going to be okay. You know, that kind of stuff. So what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Children need parents. And if a family structure is that everybody's a parent, eesh, there's going to be a whole other set of ego issues that kick in if everybody's a parent. And if everybody's a child, what's that? <laughs> exactly, which is awful. It's one of the worst cancers you can have, by the way, if you didn't know that. And, and if, you're, if you want to see how children get along, come to my house and just put your ear on the glass and listen to Phoebe and listen to... Evelyn and Isaiah as they try to get along and, you know, the, and all that stuff. Children need parents. Yeah. All right. By the way, by the way, 
you know, if it's just a stupid cracker and a dumb little thing of grape juice, who cares? Do it the way you want. But if this is sacred, if there's something beautiful happening at the Lord's Supper, absolutely beautiful, then do you realize that everything we've covered this morning really matters? It really matters. Did Jesus not say, hey, I'm in you and I'm going to extend the kingdom through you? Okay, yeah, I am extending the kingdom through you. I'm authorizing those who are faithful at Christ Church, who walk with Jesus, who are baptized, who are under authority, who, who get what it means to be the body, the family. And you understand this doctrine, that this is sacred, that you have a right to introduce it. You can. And you can say a simple prayer that releases everyone to go and take it. Now, I realize there are churches in Little Rock that believe I just taught heresy. I know it. I know it. But I believe that, that I've handled the scriptures well. I've rightly divided them and I didn't compromise in any way. Christ Church, you're the body of Christ. Why does this matter? What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to live this out in faith? Sarah, thank you so very much. Yeah. It's a table of grace, isn't it? Uh, as, as one scholar said, uh, there were thieves, drunks, liars, tax collectors, and prostitutes all lifting their glass of wine saying, God with us. You know, when they had, when they had a meal with Jesus. It's a table of grace. Absolutely. So, anybody else? Or someone online, Stephen? Anybody? Yes. Uh, Pat says this approach to having a wider ability to lead the Lord's Supper also applies to the other areas of building up the body. Uh, <clears throat> I can see. I can receive teaching from someone who is younger than me, someone who isn't a pastor. Yes. 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 Thank you, Patch. The idea of a corporate obligation to mature each other, grow each other up, is critically important. Or accountable one to another. Yes, sir, Lee. Using your uh, your wonderful parent-child analogy. Yes, sir. Uh, you have a thirty-year-old child, and you can't leave them at home. Uh, then you probably done something wrong as a parent. 
but you hadn't really trained them to be an adult. And I think yes. the analogy is, is all of the scriptures grow up. Yes. You can't stay a baby, you know, being told to, you know, you need solid food, but you all can have is milk. And well, you're quoting Paul. Oh, yeah. You know, so the, uh, you, you said spirit-filled believers, that means you've grown to the position where you're controlled and empowered by the Spirit. Well, the Spirit won't be at enmity with itself. A house divided can't stand. Yeah, so, you know, if you, as you come together, you could have misunderstandings. You have a way in the scriptures to work through them. Yeah. So I think, it, you know, the, the important thing is to grow up. And, you know, you had this uh, Newton's thing, yet, you know, last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, mm-hmm. there's another fancy law. It's the second law of thermodynamics that says entropy is increasing in the universe. That means we move to a higher level of disorder. You get saved to do nothing. You're not going to get stronger. Not at all. You're just going to wither down to nothing. Oh, you're wise. And, and so it's really important for us to put effort into learning what it means to be a Christian. That's that's basically discipleship. Yes, sir. You know, yes, so sir. Yes. As we grow in our faith, and as we're going to get along a lot better because we're, yeah. we're together. And we, you know, yeah. You've got denominational aberrations and things like that. But you yeah. just distill it down to growing in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because what we have that the, the Corinth didn't have is the Word. Well, yeah, we've got the whole New Testament. It's amazing. What a, what a privilege. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. You said it well. Uh, the idea of childhood uh, being immature is all over Paul. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child. Okay, listen to this. Paul said, as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head of the church, that is Christ, whom the whole body being fit and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth for the body and for the building of itself up in love. That's Ephesians 4. Yeah, that is so good. Thank you, Lee. Thank you very, very much. So, all right, anybody else? Somebody online, Stephen? So, you've handled it well, Christ Church. You've handled it very well. Now, if I were going to drop out Lee and Edie, and I'm going to pull back and go into the second century, in the third century, I'd say, oh, you little, little people are not allowed to do those things. You're not allowed. You're not worthy. You're not ordained. You haven't been to seminary. But I'm not going down that path, because if you do, uh, all, you, you know, it's almost like if you, what did James say about keeping the law? Got to keep all of it. Okay, so if I'm going to go to the third century, like that's where real power comes from, do you think I need to take all of the third century? <clears throat> you want to hear something gross? Guess how they baptized? Ew, naked. <laughs> you, you want to do that? You know? so, so they would stand right here. By the way, there's your pastoral staff right there and your little family, and you strip. And then you walked into the baptistry and you're dipped three times, by the way. 
in the name of the Father, Kadunk. In the name of the Son, Kadunk, right? And then you come up out of the water naked as a jaybird in front of God and everybody. And there the church staff clothes you with the new robes of righteousness. And I've got a little plate. And there's milk and there's honey and there's wine and bread. And you get to take the Lord's Supper for the first time. And then drink the milk and the honey because now you're in the promised land. You guys want to do that? I don't. I think I'd rather have my toenails ripped off. Thank you very much. You know? What? what? I mean, you wouldn't believe the craziness that came out of the second and the third and the fourth centuries on up. It's like, no, please give me Jesus and stop there, please. Boy. Yes. What this really says to me, and this stuff matters a lot, and it matters because. We, as believers, have been trusted to handle holy things. Say that again, please, Joe. We've been trusted and, in fact, uh, given the responsibility to rightly handle holy things. Holy things. These are holy things. And in a day where a lot of Christianity is just as much cultural as it is spiritual, that gets lost. It's just another thing you do. But there's holiness going on. It's to be respected. It's to be taken seriously. And that's why that self-examination is so critical. You're handling holy things here. Yeah, yeah. It's so serious, Joe, that if you are the pollutant and you're damaging the body of Christ, what kind of judgment is coming? Hmm? It's why some of you are dying. It's why some of you are diseased and weak and sick. That is right out of 1 Corinthians 11. When you have been entrusted with holy things and then you are unholy, you create conflict, you become the pollutant, you bring disease to the body, and God says you will be judged. Taking the Lord's Supper is a holy and sacred thing. And it's a huge responsibility. Huge. Absolutely so. Wow, we have honored God's word. We've honored it. And now we're going to honor God's songs. Let me pray. Abba, Father, you're good and you're kind and you bring grace to me. I'm unworthy. We all are. And yet we say thank you for grace. Abba, Father, I beg that anybody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would put their faith in you. They would believe that you died on the cross for their sins. You rose again to give them life and that they would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that you are Lord, you are Messiah, you are the King, and that they would follow you. Abba, Father, thank you for Patch and Lisa and everybody here and what they've shared. Joe. Thank you that you cast before us the pearls of your kingdom and you didn't consider us as swine. What a gift. Lord, help us to sing your songs with integrity and celebrate this great gift. In Jesus' name, amen.